You can deal with it when it's your own piss, but you're going to have my piss on you, and that's gross. This is episode four of They're All Going to Laugh at Him, and I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And today we watched Bulletproof. With a hot 8% on Rotten Tomato. <laughs> Which I actually think is kind of undeserved. Yeah, I think it's undeserved. I don't think it's an excellent movie, but it was fine. It's a passable action film with a lot of comedic elements. I think it's the worst movie we've seen so far, not including going overboard. But I didn't hate watching it. I've seen a lot of worse movies. Yeah, it's not really my like kind of movie anyway. I think it could have used a little bit more comedy from Adam Sandler, but I think he did the best that he could in this movie. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, he didn't have a lot of creative control over this one. This movie stars Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler, and it's directed by Ernest Dickerson, who is known for working with Spike Lee um, and for being the cinematographer on Do the Right Thing and just a bunch of other really good movies. This one is not like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not in that level of moviedom. It's not an eight percenter, though. That's for sure. No, you would think that a buddy cop movie that stars two comedians, especially one that's black and one that's white, to have more of a racial theme to it. But it doesn't have that at all. Instead, what we get is homoerotic overtones. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's tones as much as it's just like written after every line in the script. Oh yeah, it's a blessed experience. It is a one-star Sandlayer film because it stars Adam Sandler, but he doesn't seem to have any part of producing it and doesn't seem to have any part of writing it. And secondary, I laughed 15 times. So less than going overboard, but same level as yeah. Airheads, huh? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I laughed at a couple points, but I would not call this really a comedy. It's much more of an action movie. Yeah, which was probably a mistake to have these two run a more action than comedy movie. Yeah, just a lot of it doesn't fit. Damon Wayans plays kind of the straight guy in more ways than one. <laughs> um... And it's very diehard. It's very transporter. It's very buddy cop. Um, <laughs> Why are you throwing transporter in there? I don't know. It was the first action <laughs> film I thought of. Uh, like, it's Lethal Weapon is what it is. It's almost yeah. exactly Lethal Weapon. Yeah, except it's not technically two cops. So Keats and Archie. Keats is played by Damon Wayans and Archie is played by Adam Sandler are two car thieves. But it turns out that Keats is actually a cop and he's using Archie to get to Colton, played by James Caan, a car dealer and a drug lord. Mm -hmm. Archie considers Keats to be his best friend and his confidant. So he trusts him to work a job with Colton. He, He trusts him with his life. He says he'd take a bullet for him. And on the first meeting with Colton... Keats luckily doesn't wear a wire because he is patted down by Archie. He's made, Archie is made to pat down Keats. But on the bus that they do in the next scene, he does wear a wire and Archie accidentally exposes it. Well, he exposes it without knowing that he's actually a cop. I was say, you, you called it a bust, but it's a drug deal they go to, which is about to be busted. He's acting just like he's working with Archie. Yeah, he's undercover. I did want to note that there is not a single other white person in the entire place other than Archie. Yes, they're all Latino or black. Or Asian. The police force is actually predominantly black, which I thought was strange because it's, I think, the LAPD again. Actually, the, the only white cop I think you get to talk to is Alan Covert in the movie. 
and the, the captain. Oh, yeah, and, and the captain, sorry. Captain Benson, or Jensen. During this bust, Keats, whose real name is Jack Carter, and I'm just going to call him Keats throughout, throughout the rest of the movie, he wants to make sure that Archie's safe. He wants to be the one to arrest him because maybe he can rehabilitate him. But during this, Archie accidentally shoots him in the head. <laughs> uh, that's just such a... F- like, he gets hit by a, a giant chain hook during a giant shootout. <laughs> And his yeah. gun goes off and hits him in the head, but like... It's a true accident. He doesn't actually mean to shoot him. <laughs> it's funny just saying he accidentally shot him in the head. Because that's what you hear someone say when they meant to shoot someone in the head. Well, and that's what Keats thinks too. Later, yes. he, he does think that Archie meant to shoot him. Archie's last name, by the way, is Moses. So I might accidentally refer to him as Moses too. In the meantime, Colton finds Archie on his way out of the drug bust. And um, he's going to kill him because he's the one who brought Keats in on this. But the beautiful little dog saves him. I want to point out too, when he's running away from the drug bust, he skids a motorcycle on the ground in the most like stylish fashion possible. And for some reason, I don't know if it has anything to do with anything, he is an excellent driver over and over. Whenever he is allowed to drive, he does great. I have something about that later. I'm not just throwing in. That's that's foreshadowing about what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Keats survives the bullet wound to the head. Uh, he gets a metal plate in his head, and he has to go through some physical therapy with his beautiful physical therapist, Tracy, who he, of course, falls in love with. This rehab scene is like a minute long. It is the quickest thing ever, and then he's back on his feet, good to go. It's a montage. But like, okay, a montage shows growth. It just shows him doing it. He's like, oh, I can walk now, and I'm good to go, and I got the girl. Archie is eventually busted on his way to Mexico. He's drunk in his car with his dog, who is also drunk. He's, he's not driving his car. He's sleeping in it, by the way. Since he has a hit on him from Colton, Archie agrees to help bring Colton down but on the condition that Keats is the one who is his protection, his bodyguard. Uh, the two of them hate each other now. Archie hates Keats because he feels like Keats misled him mm-hmm. and just used him to get to Colton. And Keats hates Archie because he thinks <laughs> Archie shot him in the head on purpose. He just hates him because he shot him in the head. I think I would be pretty angry. So while they're leaving on the plane back to L.A., they're ambushed by Colton's people. And everyone except for Archie and Keats is killed in this brutal scene. I mean, every shootout here has been pretty brutal. This is a pretty violent movie. Luckily, Archie can fly a plane because when the pilot's shot, he has to he has to fly it and he ends up crash landing it. I also want to point out in my he's a great driver point. He says he has a thousand hours of experience, but he successfully lands a plane on the edge of a cliff with no engines and no gas. So pretty, pretty remarkable. They have to take a walk through the desert and Keats is just very mean to Archie and Archie is just so frustrated with him. And they end up at this weird lodge slash hotel that also has porn flicks where they meet Charles or Chuck, who is immediately has the pervert camera angle and lighting put on him. (laughs) They end up staying in the honeymoon suite where Archie is incredibly annoying to Keats um, on purpose. Mm-hmm. And Keats tries to call his girlfriend Tracy, but he's interrupted because Archie keeps playing porn really loudly in the background. And Archie also tries to escape in the scene, so Keats handcuffs him to the toilet and gags him so he can't talk and bother him anymore. Well, Colton's people find them at the honeymoon suite, 
and Archie is able to wake up Keats thanks to the porn on the TV, and they work together to fight back. And with the help of Chuck, they escape. They manage to get out through the woods. Chuck uses his knowledge of the terrain and the local area to win a car race, basically. Yeah, we never see him again. Archie suggests that there's a mole in the police force who is giving information on them because he knows that there's a lot of dirty cops on Colton's payroll. But Keats doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that at all. He trusts the police. Keats calls for backup and two FBI agents show up, but Archie knows that they're dirty because he's seen their names in Colton's books. And they get away thanks to their cooperation. And this is where Keats finally agrees that Archie isn't a liar and says that he trusts him. So eventually Keats gets Archie back to the precinct and he passes him off to his um, his co-workers. But Tracy calls him and Colton's on the other line. Uh, he wants to trade Archie for Tracy. So he does. Well, he tries to. Keats gets Archie out of his jail cell and... Archie says that it's the police chief who's the informant because he recognizes the name. Jensen. It turns out that's not the real name. They learn later. It's actually Benson. But they rhymed. He thought he was right, but probably yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny little scene. But Archie agrees to help Keats. He's reluctant to help him on the shootout because he knows that Colton wants to kill him. But he goes anyway. And there's a big showdown at Colton's mansion. And it turns out that Tracy was the informant all along. Oh, no. Archie gets shot protecting Keats from a bullet. Yeah, he jumps in front of the bullet. But he manages to come back just in time to save Keats from Colton by shooting him in the head. Yep. Just like he did at the beginning. It's full circle. <laughs> well, the movie actually does end full circle because the scene at the very end... Well, Keats tells Archie to run. He's not going to turn him in. And Archie says he's going to go to Mexico and become a bullfighter. So he does. And in that final scene, we see him in Mexico. And we also see that Keats is there too with the dog and also Archie's mom. It's really cute. The end. What a fun action movie. That's actually secretly a romance between Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans. You left out an hour of the movie, which is all of them flirting and uh, sexual tension. I did. I purposefully left that, left that out because that is what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yes. Now, we are not the only people, finally, to have said this about this movie. Yeah. We, it was obvious, so obvious, that many people commented on how homoerotic this movie was. There were a lot of homophobic jokes. There were a lot mm -hmm. of problematic jokes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I could give this movie like just a couple tweaks and it would be a queer classic, I feel like. A few things I noticed too on the review front is, uh, A, the people who didn't like it a lot did not pick up on that at all. And B, one reviewer said that their 12 and 13 year old sons really like this movie. And all I could think of is like, man, I don't think I'd let a 12 year old watch this one. This one's no. pretty bad, man definitely it's uh, rated r yeah but like <laughs> there's rated r movies that are action movies and and then there's rated r movies where someone puts a gun up someone else's butt and this is the second one exactly i'm gonna read a couple quotes here from this article i found from sfgate.com from back in 1996 when this movie came out mm -hmm. it says bulletproof is a raunchy exercise in macho posturing but thanks to a layer of satire the new action comedy at bay area theaters provides a few zingers of lowbrow entertainment. I think it's interesting that they call this satire. 
I don't know what they're, I guess I know what they're satirizing. They're satirizing buddy cop movies. And then later there's a whole section called homophobic humor. Uh, and I'm going to just read this whole little section. The jokes repeatedly refer to male genitalia. Sandler's humor is homophobic, but some is homoerotic too. It seems that in an age of political correctness, he's playing a new comedy game that lays off mixed gender jokes and goes for gay themes. It's a schoolboy's way of getting down and dirty. Sandler, to nobody's surprise, is wearisome. Hmm. That's that's not really how I took that view of basically gay jokes, though. That's not how I took it either, but I think you do have to consider that this movie did come out in 1996. Mm-hmm. And it... You know, there's a lot of homophobia. I mean, there's a lot of homophobia today, but there was a lot back then, especially in these action movies. Yeah. Now, I, coming from my 2020 lens and being a queer person and looking at this movie, I could give it a very sympathetic reading because you could swap Adam Sandler out with a woman and make this a romantic comedy action without changing a thing other than Adam Sandler's gender in fact i think like if they kissed at the end (laughs) that that's what the movie would be it's just a romantic comedy they might as well have kissed i think something i didn't mention the last podcast is that there was the the kiss to end the movie and this is the first one without it but i think it's secretly there just in the credits we know it's secretly there so there are a lot of homophobic jokes but there's also just a lot of homoerotic jokes adam sandler's character could easily just be gay or bisexual unironically i think that the movie's trying to play it off as if he's doing it to be raunchy but the way that sandler's playing it i just don't get it it it, he feels like he it feels like he's playing a gay guy yeah i want to break down this scene specifically when they go to the hunting lodge uh which has porn because in this scene sandler's character is flirting with the male concierge What, what what's what's that job title i guess you could call him the concierge uh, yeah, and pointing out, he's like, you have a hot wife, do you want me to be the salami, and you two can be the white bread, and is trying to talk him into a three-way the entire time. Not between Damon Wayans and him, but between his wife and him. In front of Damon Wayans. In front to... of Damon Wayans. You would think that if Archie was trying to be annoying to Keats, he would bring Keats into it. In my mind, he's literally trying to make him jealous. This backfires... When in the hotel room, while Archie is watching porn loudly and talking about it, Keats calls his girlfriend and then starts asking what she's wearing yeah. while in the room with Archie. Yes. Who's watching porn. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, I'm trying to annoy this guy. This is, I'm trying to make him jealous over and over. I, I, I don't know how to see it another way. No, when Archie is watching porn too, he's not watching it and getting hot. He is watching it and laughing because the woman is eating an apple while a man goes down on her. This is, it's it's a scene of a woman getting pleasure. And if you're a gay man, that's not really going to be necessarily a turn on. Yeah. <laughs> it is just, I don't know. The apple is funny. It is pretty funny. That's a funny, funny line. It's just so much there. I also want to point out too with Chuck, the mm-hmm. concierge. As I said, he was immediately played with the pervert angle, I'd call it, where the light is shining kind of down on his face, so he kind of looks sweaty, and he's kind of filmed from an angle below him, and part of his face is obscured in shadow, so it's a very, like, Norman Bates kind of deal. Yeah, the image that comes to my mind when you say that is the private from Full Metal Jacket. You would then think that he's supposed to be the pervert, but he doesn't end up being a big pervert or anything. Mm Mm-hmm. He does have a picture of his wife on his desk, 
And at first, you're supposed to think that it's him in drag because it is the actor in drag Mm -hmm. being the wife. But, I mean, it turns out he actually does have a wife. (laughs) And he calls her and asks her to be adventurous and try it out. Yeah, well, he he says that you are always telling me we should be more adventurous. So, like, maybe this is something we should go for. But it turns out that he... He ends up being a hero. He ends up saving them. And he ends up being really cool. I I was wondering, if you got this out of it, is he is able to outwit these people coming in, this group of armed white men who are coming to kill them. He's able to outwit them due to his knowledge of the area. He he knows the pitfalls of the area and stuff. And it kind of struck me as a, maybe a metaphor for like a support group, not a support group, but like a support structure of like, we're going to make sure these people are safe while they're in our area um, and not let someone come in and harm them. I can definitely see that. I think that he thinks that Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler are a couple because he gives them the honeymoon suite. There's obviously no one else there, but he says that the only suite available is that. And I think he's doing it to be nice, to be accepting. He does say something like, you guys aren't, you know. And then Archie says about Keats, well, he's not gay, but after a few drinks, who knows? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, which is homo. That is a homophobic thing to say. That's problematic, but whatever. Yes. In, in the movie, it... The guy can't tell if he's being messed with or if mm-hmm. he's like being like, yeah, no, that guy's not gay. I think it's also worth noting, too, that Chuck is like the things that he does are stereotypically masculine to mm-hmm. the driving and the knowing the woods. That is a that's yeah. a stereotypically masculine thing. He's reading field and stream when they come up. He drives a truck. And I think that there's a lot to be said about stereotypical masculine roles here, which I'll talk about later, too. I also want to mention the relationship between Colton and Archie. Because when we first meet Colton, he's wearing... You might be able to consider him to be like an abusive ex toward Archie. I could see that. And I I think that that is... I I think it's a pretty apt reading. And there's a line where Archie says, If Keats is a cop, I'll suck your dick. Yeah. So just a lot of, again. And in the end, when he kills him, he says, That's for trying to make me suck your dick. Yes, exactly. There's just a lot of that. And I think that you're 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 spot on too with the two of them, Keats and Archie trying to make each other jealous, but especially Archie trying to make Keats jealous. Mm-hmm. We see that with the the dog. <laughs> he says, like, look, the dog's looking because he likes me, not just because he's trying to trying to get close to Colton and stuff yeah. like that. He also names the dog Little Keats. He does. <laughs> it's cute. They argue like broken up couple mm-hmm. pretty much throughout the entire movie. They keep having the same argument of Sandler is saying that Keats sees everything in black and white, but most people are living in this gray area. Sexuality. Yeah. And that's my problem with you. And if you could only get over that, we could be friends. Keats is saying you shot me in the head, which is, I don't know, pretty good argument of why to break up. (laughs) Can I go through and just see everything I found that was a... (laughs) mentioning of their relationship yeah they they originally are stealing cars for money and damon wayne says something along the lines of are we not splitting the money equally i thought we were like equal partners then talks about trust being a commodity between them damon wayne's character says about the cops that this is a room full of testosterone and i don't want any dents in my friend when he's going to protect archie and then when he lands the plane successfully Do you remember what he says? No. He specifically says, I saved our fucking life. Yes, he does say life. Yeah, not our lives, but our life. It it was very like, 
that's a specific way to say that that's not how uh, you'd say it if it wasn't about a relationship of sorts and i found that very interesting there's all the stuff and the honeymoon suite of course oh and the did you tell him about me when he learns he's an undercover cop sandler's character is very worried that he told the cops all the things that he knew and confided in damon yeah it seems like archie told keats everything yeah and he's very worried that he's gonna go and kind of talk about him behind his back which is not really a thing i guess it is something you where a cop would say but it's more like a you know is this person i broke up with going to tell everyone all my like all my worries and stuff i also want to just point out there's so many times in this movie that adam sandler's character might be it's i guess it's supposed to be played for jokes but he's just directly saying stuff like i would like to make out with you in the dark and like do you have a boner right now and stuff like that to other men and i'm falling in love with you all over again to keats it's not it's not played subtly he just keeps saying that he loves them and that they're together and we have to work on a relationship type stuff there's no there's no hidden stuff in this movie in my opinion archie makes keats call his mom call archie's mom which is not something you do just yeah i mean you can do that as friends but like hey you already met my mom kind of deal they've been a friends for a year Mm -hmm. and he's met his mom as a adult man the amount of mothers of my friends i've met is very low especially if i Mm -hmm. met them in their like mid-20s you know oh also (laughs) he sings uh the song uh, I'll Always Love You from the movie The Bodyguard. <laughs> and he says, always be my bodyguard. Yeah. It's also worth noting, too, that there are two undercover people. So Archie is betrayed by Keats, who is undercover. And Keats is betrayed by Tracy, who is undercover. But Tracy is a romantic interest. And if we're looking at parallels, it just makes sense that Archie's also a romantic interest. Like I said, you could replace Adam Sandler with a woman and it would just be tra- it would be played as a straight romantic relationship. I mean, this might be true of a lot of movies, but definitely if he was replaced with a woman in this movie, everyone would have seen the ending of them being together mm-hmm. coming. So Yeah, well, I'm just going to go a little bit more. I know I've kind of beaten this dead horse with Adam Sandler's character being gay mm-hmm. or queer-coded at the very least. The beginning scene, one of the opening parts... Adam Sandler hits on a woman who he knows has a boyfriend. And at the end, the same thing happens, but it's Damon Wayans who comes in to save him. I just like hitting on someone who you know is unobtainable. It's, it's a thing when you have expectations of heteronormativity. I mean, you can kind of cover up your feelings by pursuing people who are never going to be interested in you. There are is also a line at the very end when Sandler says he's going to go to Mexico. Keats says to Archie, you're going to go there and be drinking margaritas, banging senoritas. And Archie says, no, I'm going to be a bullfighter. (laughs) It's worth noting that Cabo, which is where he goes to Cabo, is a well-known destination for gay spring break. It's it's just very obvious to me, just the, the... romantic tension i think between keats and archie it's definitely there i want to talk about just the homoeroticism of action movies in general particularly the buddy cop genre there is a lot to be said about this aspect of performative masculinity masking not necessarily real homoeroticism but the perception of homoeroticism you see this a lot in this movie you mentioned already when Damon Wayans says there's going to be a lot of testosterone being thrown around at the drug bust. Mm-hmm. 
this idea that these places like the police force this is it's a very perceived masculine thing they show boxing which a lot of people might call a very homoerotic sport it's it's two naked men fighting Mm. half naked men they watched on tv during the shootout at the honeymoon suite porn is being played in the background loudly showing that it's inherently sexual Hmm. these shootouts and there's a lot we could say like freudian terms of the penetration of bullets but Hmm. let's not get there yeah well i mean with the with the freudian stuff uh damon wayans does put his gun into adam sandler's butt while he's trying to escape (laughs) guns are just a phallic symbol and then in the scene where I just found this so funny. The scene where Keats asks Archie for his help. It's at a strip club. They are not paying mm-hmm. attention to the women. Yeah, I, I love that scene too because I saw at least one complaint about it in reviews. They're like, oh, of course they had to throw in a strip club scene. I'm like, it is it's so obviously like they were doing it in, on purpose of being like, yeah, this is supposed to be in this movie, but yeah. yeah. Obviously it's not about and, that. And that's the thing. Does... Every friendship between men have to have homoerotic undertones? No. Does every buddy cop movie have that? No, not necessarily. But there's a reason that reading happens. I don't think we should necessarily sexualize every male relationship. I don't think that's healthy. But this male relationship is sexualized. And I think if mm-hmm. if anything is being satirized, it is the idea that these buddy cop movies shy away from it and they try to include all of these hyper masculine elements to mm-hmm. to cover up these undertones to distance themselves as far from any notions of homosexuality or femininity as possible yeah i'd agree with that is there anything else you wanted to say oh uh, not about this but i am ready to talk about an aspect of this movie i don't think you picked up on is this about names it's slightly about name, but it's about a lot of other stuff too. On the point of names, though, I wanna I wanna start back from the beginning and see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all my evidence out. Uh, so the movie opens with the commercial from the Colton the bad guy, wearing a cowboy hat, a white cowboy hat, and selling cars with American flag behind him. And he's do you, do you remember the kind of quotes he was saying? It was a, uh, I believe in America, two cars in every driveway, America dream, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then. We get to the first scene of the drug bust where they're taking heroin out of these cars. And do you remember where they're putting them for transportation? In Bibles. Into Bibles. And then the other character in this uh, movie's name is Moses. And his goal at the end of the movie is to find this book that can put Colton away for good. He is after basically the proof of his evil, which is a parallel a bit to what Moses did with the Ten Commandments. He's after a book is, I think, a bit symbolic. But there's a few more things in here about religion. Moses says, I don't like your God. He scares me when Keith says something about how his God would kill him or something. It's while they're having arguments. Basically, Mm -hmm. just a, a reference to not liking someone else's God. The basic point, though, to bring this all together is that religion's very often called the opiate of the masses. Heroin is an opiate. I think they made heroin on purpose because Keats talks about how the one real thing he did tell Moses was that his dad died with a needle in his arm. And if this religious kind of aspect of this guy being actually a religious leader instead of a heroin pusher has any legs, it might show the fact that Keats is struggling with being a gay man because his father is religious. 
Oh my god. And that he's not allowed to have a father anymore. And he, because of that, and then he mentioned that he looked to his chief as a father figure. He says, you were like a father to me when he thinks he betrays him and he gets very upset and like hits the chief of police when he thinks he's a mole. Which it turns out he's not. He's a fine, perfectly good chief, if you like cops. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I, I saw that a lot of, were they trying to play up the fact that's a religious aspect and by the fact that they were stuffing heroin into Bibles? I think so. I didn't even catch that. Did not even come to my mind. Yeah, that's why I was excited when I asked if you, uh, I, before we started this podcast, I asked her a question to see if she had caught the same thread I wanted to pull on. But it seems a lot like to me, that's a big part of it and might be why he's struggling throughout this movie is he's playing as a cop who's supposed to be completely anti-drug, yet he is supposed to also be a gay man. Okay, no, I, I see what you're going for. Basically, if if he's supposed to be, you know, on the straight and narrow path and religious, how can he be gay man also, you know? He's supposed to be following the law. Yes. And the norms and such. Mm -hmm. And Sandler's character represents not, not the law. Mm -hmm. I I like that interpretation. Now, Dickerson, the director, mm -hmm. I, I think that this was a very interesting line from the IMDb page. He says that the film was castrated by the producers. I yes. think that's a very interesting term because castration means cutting off over the penis and or the balls. That's a very interesting term. Now, I can't really... I can see why he might be disappointed in this movie. You look at his other works and, you know, they're a lot about, they're a lot about race. They have a lot more like a deep message. Mm -hmm. And certainly this movie could have had some better themes and maybe more nuance. There's a lot of failure in this movie in several aspects. I think it's a perfectly passable movie despite some of its problematic elements. But if they weren't afraid of being too edgy they could have made a very interesting film because there's so much you could have talked about a little bit more openly, like with the race relations, with the police, with drugs, with religion, with, with homosexuality. This movie could be incredibly interesting. Now, if they had actually, instead of pretending that they were playing off the homoeroticism for laughs, if they had done that, that movie never would have been funded yeah. and people wouldn't have watched it. It was 1996. Mm-hmm. You know, I was when I was in high school, you couldn't be gay. I can't imagine what it was like in 1996. Yeah, I, I think at that time, even the person who played Ellen DeGeneres' like, girlfriend on a TV show, she recently talked about how she lost basically a ton of work in the 90s, late 90s, because she played a lesbian on a TV show, and then they wouldn't cast her, even though she wasn't even a lesbian. Like, it's just because she played one. So I think, like, honestly, if they had played it, where they played two gay men. Neither Damon Wayans nor Adam Sandler would have had work. Their careers would have been completely changed. Probably. There's no way Adam Sandler plays a gay man and then plays in the next film the romantic lead of The Wedding Singer. It's just not a coincidence that all of these movies so far have been playing into this idea of masculinity and, and sexuality in such you know a telling way. I, I think it's been pretty interesting to watch that develop and like i said i, I like this movie because i i do like action movies just fine mm -hmm. and it's it wasn't a perfect movie but does it deserve eight percent no does it deserve adam sandler hate no 
I think he did a pretty good job. Again, yes, there were some homophobic jokes. There was a lot of problematic jokes about sexual assault on men. I think sexual assault on men is a very serious thing and we shouldn't play it for laughs because if the things that happened to Adam Sandler in this movie happened to a woman being sexually assaulted in jail or having a gun shoved up their butt, yeah, that wouldn't be funny. No, and not it's all. not funny here either. Pop Culture Detective on YouTube actually included that scene in their episode on sexual assault played for laughs. I would recommend anyone who's listening to this to watch that and watch all of the Pop Culture Detective videos, actually. They're very entertaining and interesting. So what's the next film? The next film is The Wedding Singer, 1998 movie. And this is one that has, I think, the highest rating we've seen so far. It's a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, like, man, still seems pretty low for a movie liked this much. Now, you haven't seen this one, but I have. I have not seen this movie, which I don't know how I've not seen it. Because I like singing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh... I, I guess I, so far, I like Adam Sandler. And this is another one-star Sandler film. I'm tempted to give it two stars, though. I feel like it's much more important in the canon than this movie is, than Bulletproof is. Yeah. Because Adam Sandler, I think, could have been replaced by anybody. But I, mm-hmm. I really, I'm glad that we watched this one. Because yes. he's in such a different role and a, such a different feel. The, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm doing it live. It's a two-star Sandlayer movie because it stars Adam Sandler and it's written by uh, written Tim Harley. He wrote Happy Gilmore, or at least part of it, and he does producer stuff in his films. Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds. He's screenwriter for all those. Mm-hmm. So this guy is Adam Sandler's like writing partner, basically. So yeah, I think two stars is fair. Well, so far, I don't think Adam Sandler deserves the hate that he's been given. Uh, the only movie... I haven't enjoyed is going overboard and even that I found endearing and I know that I enjoy the wedding singer yeah and I've never seen it but hopefully I like it too he has a mullet in it which I can really get behind so you can find our podcast at laugh at him pod on twitter and you can also find our games we're game designers primarily at wannabegames.com and we also have a patreon so if you'd like to support us you can go to patreon.com slash wannabegames and there you'll have access to some patreon uh, patron-only posts and bonus content and some behind-the-scenes content like our notes on these podcasts. Also, we're currently discussing what a uh, big bonus thing we want to do. Right now, we've been in discussion about either making a Adam Sandler game, since we're, you know, game developers, or maybe seeing which one of us can write the better Adam Sandler script after this is all done. We're not going to start on that until we're done this, because... We have to watch a movie every day and then court. Um, and even though because we're in quarantine times, uh, I'm not working. Jess still does have a job. So it's it's a lot to put on. We would appreciate your support. But at the very least, if you're thinking, wow, thank you for entertaining me <laughs> on this drive. Maybe you can like and su- rate and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Smash that like button. <laughs> um, Definitely do do all those things. Actually, should we throw these on YouTube? I guess. Yeah, probably. I'll do it eventually. Um, I don't <laughs> think people would really want to listen to this on YouTube compared to a podcast thing, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you probably want to read my tweets, which are at Joska on Twitter. And mine at Kitty Crusade. I say a lot of stuff about Yu-Gi-Oh. And I say, please take my wife. <laughs>
I, I actually teed you up well for that one. <laughs>